Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. I'm going to read a couple verses. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. 1 Corinthians 16, 20. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12 to 13. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. 1 Peter 5, 14. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. 1 Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The grass withers and the flower fades. Thank you, David. Um, Yeah, kissy kissy. (laughs) So, uh, kids, you're dismissed. You're more than welcome to head back to your classrooms. So this morning, we're going to continue on in our sermon series on the communal disciplines. Um, Last week, we started and we talked about what does it mean to love one another? What does it mean to be part of God's people and to be caring for one another? And so this morning, like I said, we're going to continue on in looking at one of these communal disciplines. And uh, you you got a little foretaste in the the passages that you saw there. Um, I'm going to give a, a short caveat. Uh, There's a whole bunch of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning that we're going to be reading. Some of it may be on the screen, um, so just bear with me. You may not see everything on the screen as we go through some of these passages this morning. But when we talk about the communal disciplines or the communal practices of the Christian life, what we're talking about is how do we love one another, care for one another, be the people of God. So this morning, in particular, we're going to be looking at how do we greet one another or welcome one another or show hospitality and care to one another. So my hope this morning is simply this, that you'll see the goodness of God, how he has greeted and cared for you, and you will do likewise to other Christians. That's my hope for us this morning. So let me pray for us and we'll we'll jump in. Father God, I thank you that you are good and gracious to us, that you have loved us in Christ, that you have drawn us into your family, that you have showed us love and friendship and kindness, even though we do not deserve it. I pray that this morning, as we contemplate your word and your calling on our lives, that spirit, you will work in our minds, showing us your truth, and that you'll also work on our hearts and our affections, drawing us more toward you so that we will love you rightly, and in turn, we will love others around us rightly. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our King. Amen. So if you've been coming for the past few weeks throughout the summer, you've probably heard that we're in the middle of a reading plan through the New Testament. Um, I don't know about you, but I found it extremely helpful every single day, couple of chapters going through, and then being able to discuss it with other people in the church what are you reading? What are you listening to? What have you listened to? How has it been affecting your life? Um, so 
We're going through, like I said, this entire reading plan together. If you haven't picked it up, side note, feel free to pick it up. There's a copy out there. It's, all, it's also on the YouVersion app. It's great. Um, if you haven't been reading it, feel free to start right today. That's okay. But we're, we're coming to the end of the Gospels in that reading plan. And soon we're going to move into the letters, the epistles that the apostles wrote to the various churches in, the, uh, for, in like the early biblical world. And so we're going to start seeing the authors of those epistles going through and saying, do such and such to or for one another. And we're going to see that phrase pop up over and over and over again, one another, one another, one another. Jesus even uses it and tells us to love one another, to care for one another. And so the scriptural command to do things for one another is just, it's prevalent throughout the New Testament. When you actually count up all the times that it's used in reference for, to Christians doing something for other Christians, so do this for others, it occurs over 50 times. That's a whole lot of times in the New Testament. I would, I would posit the New Testament writers thinks it, think it's really important how we live with one another, what we do for one another as other Christians. So it's kind of fun. Uh, some of you may know this about me. I'm a little bit of a nerd. And uh, I actually enjoy jumping in and taking a look at some of the Greek words in the New Testament. And when we talk about this phrase, one another, it's two words in English, in Greek it's actually one word, alelon, alelon. Say that with me, alelon. It's one word, it's to do something for one another. And so when, we, when you start reading through the New Testament and you start seeing this phrase pop up, one another, one another, one another, the New Testament writers are trying to jog in your mind, this is something that's important. This is something, part of a holistic collection of what are we supposed to be doing with and for other Christians around us. The command is care for each other, live with each other, serve one another, bear with each other over and over and over again. And that's why we talk about these communal disciplines being a set of practices is because the same phrase is used over and over again. And the New Testament writers, by God's spirit, are telling us this is the body of how we are supposed to live among one another. And so that's why we as the elders think it's really important for us to take a pause this summer and actually discuss what does it mean for us to be in life with one another as Christians? What is it? What does it mean for us to be loving and serving and caring for one another? And so this is good. It's good for us to focus on these commands that God has given us through his word. But I want to take a step back before we actually jump into this morning's practice and think about why are we doing these practices? What are we doing or what's compelling us to live this way? And I think the easiest explanation that we have is that we are demonstrating what we have experienced from God to others. So let me say that again. In doing these communal practices, we are demonstrating what God has done for us to others. So what have we experienced? What has God done for us? 
Think about what the gospel is, the good news. We talk about it every single week, or we try and talk about it every single week here at Refuge. Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life on our behalf. He died a brutal death on the cross, taking our sin, our shame, our guilt upon himself. He bore God's wrath for our rebellion against him. He died, he rose again, and in rising, he brought us new life. We are a new creation. The New Testament uses a whole bunch of phrases and a whole bunch of pictures to show that, just like that idea of a new creation. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 say, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We've been re reconciled. We've been put into right relationship with God again. And then again in Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, Paul says the same thing. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. One of these big pictures that we see in the New Testament of what God has done for us is that he has reconciled us. He's put us into right relationship with him and good relationship, good standing, good fellowship with him. And so one of the reasons why we go through and we practice these communal disciplines is because we're showing what God has done for us, reconciling us, drawing us into his family, showing us his goodness and his graciousness. We also see in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The author there is saying a whole bunch, but he's, he's focusing in on this aspect that we've been drawn into God's city to feast and to dine and to rejoice. We're no longer alienated, but instead we're drawn to the table to experience the goodness and fellowship that we have with God and with all his host. You and I have experienced through God love and welcoming and concern and care and hospitality and reconciliation and friendship. God has loved us and this is the basis for what we are supposed to do toward one another. We're turning to our brothers and sisters in Christ and showing them what God has done for us. That's the basis of why we practice the communal disciplines. So keep that in the forefront of your mind this entire summer as we walk through all these practices of the Christian life. We are demonstrating to our brothers and sisters what God has done for us. There's a key aspect of what God has done for us that I think actually helps bring into focus the practice this morning of greeting one another. When someone confesses Jesus as Lord, when they accept the good news, the gospel, they become a Christian, a Christ follower. And there's, like I said, a whole bunch of various pictures that we see in scripture of what that means for our lives. 
one of the, uh, so we talked about like being brought into a new kingdom, being citizens of he- heaven, pilgrims heading toward our eternal ho- home, joining the wedding supper of the lamb. There's a whole bunch of pictures beyond simply reconciliation. And one of them is also, and I think, like I said, important for this morning, this picture of being adopted into a new family. So in Galatians, Paul says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The new reality means that we are sons and daughters adopted into God's family through Christ. Listen to what Paul also says to the church in Ephesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Again, we're adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. This is good news for us. We're part of a loving, caring family with an all-good, all-loving father and a fully faithful brother. Now, I know not everyone has the same familial experiences. Some people grew up in really good families and really good homes with, with good parents and good siblings, and this picture or this image of adoption into a family is a good one, and it's a fullness that they see. For other people, when you hear the term adoption into a family because of your family of origin, maybe this is a difficult thing to think about, to think about God being a father because of maybe abusive relationships with your own father. And so I want to recognize that these words don't always ring the best for everyone. But I do want to say that in God, we have the picture of what a father is supposed to be. Loving, caring, attentive to his children, drawing us into a family that is marked by love and care and honesty and compassion. And that no matter what your relationship with your siblings is, that Jesus, our fully faithful brother, is loving and compassionate and kind to us. And so we see in scripture that our adoption into God's family is one in which we experience the fullness of what family life is supposed to be. So when we talk about the communal disciplines, we're talking about what does family life look like? Because you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of this family. It's not just us trekking it alone. You and I are part of God's family together. We are adopted into the same family. We're no longer acquaintances. We're no longer just walking down the street saying, hey, 
We have to care for each other, love one another, as a family is supposed to do. We're not allowed to keep our distance. We're called to love, to care, to greet for one another, just as we would family members. So this truth, that now we are brothers and sisters in God's family, compels us to these communal disciplines. We've been adopted into God's family. We're to show the family love that he has shown us to our brothers and sisters. So this undergirds everything that we're talking about when we talk about the communal disciplines. So this morning, we're looking at what does it mean to greet each other? What does it mean to greet one another, welcome one another, be hospitable to one another? So the communal disciplines, and specifically this idea of greeting one another and welcoming one another, is explicitly stated all over the New Testament. It's also implicitly stated all over the New Testament. I don't know about you, but as I continue to read Scripture, continues to see more of God's graciousness toward us, I see over and over the commands of the apostles. Over and over I see love, care, serve one another. And in those commands, I also see a calling to greet and welcome and to be hospitable. Remember, we're all part of the same family. So let me ask you this question as we're kind of thinking through what does it mean to greet one another in the Lord. What or how do you normally greet your family members? I don't know about you. I love big hugs. I love big hugs. So generally when I see family members, I get big hugs. If it's, you know, that strange uncle that you haven't seen in a while, maybe a warm handshake. But when I think about greeting other brothers and sisters in Christ, I think about what does it mean for me to greet my family warmly? And the actions that we take in greeting one another, whether it be a handshake or a hug, those actions symbolize something. They symbolize something more, something deeper. For me, it generally means I'm grateful to see you. You bring me joy. I'm so excited to talk and to learn more about what's going on in your life. And this is what the apostles in the New Testament are pointing to. Greet each other as you would a family member or a close friend action, with actions that represent the joy that you have on seeing and meeting with one another. In the New Testament world, greeting one another looks a little bit different than it does today. Um, as you probably saw in the passages, I'm going to read through them again, but in, in the biblical world, greetings, especially among family members or close friends, were always a kiss on the cheek, kiss on the forehead. And so listen to these commands again from, uh, from the apostles. So, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet another, one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. The apostles commanded that those they were writing to should greet each other as family members. Not just make a sign of greeting. Sure, you can shake anyone's hand, or in this case, you could kiss someone on the cheek, but that's not the same as doing those actions because you love and care and overjoyed and are overjoyed at being in, the, in their presence. 
We're called by scripture, commanded by God, to give heartfelt greetings to one another because we've been adopted into God's family, because those Christians around us are also brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we're called to greet family members. I found it helpful this past week as I was contemplating what it meant to greet one another, as I was thinking about this discipline. What does it mean to greet someone who is a sibling versus someone who is a passing acquaintance? Um, you know, we, we encounter lots of people in our lives and have some familiarity with a whole bunch of people in our lives. Either it's someone that you work with and you don't know their name, but you've seen them multiple times in passing, or maybe it's a parent at the playground that you've seen as your kids are both playing, or maybe it's a classmate at school that either sits off somewhere else in the lunchroom or across the classroom, people that we see that we kind of maybe know but don't really know. That's what I think of when I think of an acquaintance. And I think about how I interact with them versus someone who's a family member. You know, when you see that acquaintance that you saw at the playground, uh, in the store, and you're trotting along with your cart to the other side and kind of go down another aisle, awkward interactions with them. Or maybe that coworker that you don't really remember their name, you see them in the hallway as you're passing by and you keep your eyes down or look somewhere else, and you hope that when you you know, do that side-eye glance over, that they don't connect eyes with you as well, because then you have to do that awkward, hey, good to see you, keep walking. Just me? <laughs> I mean, that's what I think of when I think of interactions or possible greetings with acquaintances. But when I think of, of greeting family members, welcoming family members in, it's a totally different story. I'm so excited to see them, to talk with them, to hear what's going on in their lives. And so greeting them, them is how I express that initially. God has shown us the same thing. He's loved us. He's shown kindness and joy to us and greeted us and welcomed us in. When we express this same type of deep, heartfelt greeting to other Christians, we are expressing what God has done for us. But greeting each other is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to look at a lot of different communal disciplines over the summer, greeting each other just being the first one. But this morning, I also wanted to unpack another, another tangential discipline because I think it's tied in with greeting one another. When we welcome one another, when we greet one another, we're doing it towards the end, generally, of being hospitable to one another. When we welcome each other, the call is to build a relationship, know one another, care for one another, be siblings, and we do that in being hospitable. Just giving a warm hello isn't what the discipline is about. It's not just like shaking hands, saying hi, it's so good to see you, and then walking off. The call is to engage and be in relationship with one another. And let me be very real for a second. 
I don't know any way to do this practice or these sets of practices without being around one another. We have to make the effort to be present to practice the communal disciplines. Sunday mornings are important for us to gather and practice welcoming one another. Like, that is good. And it's important for us to be involved in all aspects of the life of the church, being involved in a gospel community, coming to men's and women's events, participating in Bible studies. All these are opportunities where we build relationships with one another, where we have the opportunity to practice the communal disciplines, to greet one another, welcome one another in, be hospitable to one another. We have to be present for this to occur. But the discipline goes further than that as well. Greeting and welcoming each other requires us to open up our lives to one another. We can only greet and welcome others and in turn be greeted and welcomed by others when we open up our lives, our homes, to one another. Greeting and welcoming others requires us to be with one another. Part of this discipline in the scriptural, is the scriptural command to be hospitable toward one another, opening up our homes, inviting others in, welcoming them, knowing them. Listen to what Peter and Paul have to say about hospitality. In 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And in Romans 12, 13, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The idea of opening our homes to one another is daunting and scary. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in life. But let's also be honest with one another. The primary way that we greet and welcome one another in Christian love is to open our homes, to be with one another, to welcome others in and be hospitable. And I know, like I said, that this can be tough. I have three kids. Lily, who's four, Kenzie, who's two and a half, and Hunter, who's 10 months. And for all the cleaning that Laura and I do of our home, it is always a disaster. Disaster. But I also love it when we're able to invite other families over into our mess, into our muck, into our disaster, whether it's cranky, cranky kids or bedtimes or whatnot, you're gonna see the mess and muck of our lives. But there's great joy in greeting and welcoming and being hospitable to one another. We don't do these practices because they're convenient. We do these things because we are one family in Christ. And I know, like I said, that opening up our homes and being hospitable is tough, no matter what life circumstances you have. If you have small kids, you know, like I said, your house is probably always a mess or a disaster. It's hard to think about having people over. Or if you have older kids, you know, there's always one more soccer game or always one more band concert or one more activity, and so it's difficult to even be at home. Or if you're single, Maybe you're worried about what people will think of you, a single person inviting a family over, especially because you only have four plates. 
you know, if you're married with grown kids or you don't have kids, you know, maybe you're traveling a lot and so you don't have the opportunity to be home and be hospitable. And so I just want to say this. I want to say it plainly. We can come up with a multitude of reasons why we aren't hospitable, why we can't be welcoming and greeting others into our homes. But when we do that, we're ignoring the commands of Scripture. To engage in this communal discipline is to take the commands of Scripture seriously. We might have to sacrifice some of what we're doing. We may need to step past the point of fear and engage in faith. We may need to reevaluate some of our priorities. I just want you to know, that's good. It's good for us to wrestle with the commands of Scripture. It's what we mean here when we talk about wrestling, with, wrestling through our faith in the ordinary, everyday me, moments of life, in the regular kind of muck of what's going on. And I want to remind all of us, including me, being welcoming, being hospitable, talking and learning about others, building relationships with our siblings in Christ, it brings joy. When we are connected to others in Christ, in deep relationship, there is deep joy. And that's really what this discipline is all about. It's leading us to joy. I remember when I first started coming to refuge, I was all of 22 years old. I was still living with my parents. Just gotten my first adult job. And I was really kind of nervous about stepping out and joining a new church family. I had a coworker who invited me to come to refuge one morning. And I remember saying, okay, I'm gonna do it. I don't know anyone other than this coworker and he's only really an acquaintance. Yes, just passing in the hallway. <laughs> and so I came, sat in the back. My coworker came up and said, oh, I'm so happy you're here. Um, I'll come and try and sit next to you, but I'm doing all this stuff to kind of get things ready for the service. So uh, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> Scampered off. It's like, okay, okay, I'm here. And I remember there was an older couple that was there, and they saw me sitting there by myself. They both got up, came over, greeted me, welcomed me, asked me a whole bunch of questions, got to know me. I felt in that moment loved, cared for, welcomed in to the family. I remember a few weeks later, I, so I kept coming. They kept welcoming me, welcoming me in, sitting with me. And I remember this couple, a couple weeks after I had started coming, invited me over for dinner one night. Uh, and I remember that in walking into their home, being greeted by them, being loved by them, I felt what Christ's love really means. When we welcome each other and when we experience and show hospitality, greeting, loving, it changes lives. It is through God's people carrying out his mission in the world that God's presence and his power and his love goes forth. 
This is our calling as the people of God, to love one another, greet one another, welcome one another, be hospitable to one another. We do this because God has showed us his love. He has greeted us, welcomed us, been hospitable to us. He's drawn us into his family. He's greeted us. As we engage in this discipline, we are simply imitating our God who has done these things for us. And so this is my encouragement to you this week. Take time to greet other Christians well. Welcome them in. Sink to know them. Ask good questions. Converse with them. Think about what it would look like for you or your family to invite others into your home. What would that look like? And remember, there is great joy in imitating Christ in this way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for how you have loved and cared and served us. That you have drawn us into your family, into fellowship and relationship with you. And that in adopting us into your family, you have given us a multitude of brothers and sisters. We thank you that we are part of a large, loving, gracious family. I pray that this week, that you continue to work in us, showing us how to love and serve one another by greeting one another and welcoming the other and being hospitable to one another. And I pray that as we practice these things, that your love will be shown to those around us. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.